0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Social Problems uh, Week 7. Um, last week, you guys went over inequality and poverty. Um, I really hope you guys watched the videos on that. Um, and I hope you guys, um, if you have any questions, please go ahead and email me. Um, this week, we're going to talk about a crime um, in the U.S. Uh, and we're going to be reviewing the Black Lives Matters movement. Um, one of the biggest social movements in history talking about our criminal justice system here in the U.S. Um, And so if you go to the first lecture, uh, which is um, week seven, uh, lecture one, um, you'll see that this lecture focuses on this idea of what is crime um, and looking at types of crimes here we have in the U.S. And so um, it's really important to think about, when we think about crime, this idea of what do we consider a crime and kind of remove it from this thought of what is, quote, good or what is, quote, bad. Um, Usually we think about crimes as this idea of good or bad, but really the formal definition of crime is a violation of society's formal laws, right? A violation of society's formal laws. That means that society got together and thought about issues um, that they wanted to quote, quote, put into a law. Now, um, some of these are more severe than other Some of these, we understand, they're wiggle rooms to break than other. I think a really good example of this are speed limits. Um, they are a formal law, right? It's a crime um, to go past the speed limit, but this is obviously something um, that we do because when we break this law, um, we understand that we get a ticket, right? Uh, that is our sort of our consequence of that compared to bigger things like, you know, going to jail, death penalty, et cetera, et cetera. And so crimes are really just about this idea, as I said, as a formal society's formal law. Um, and it's really interesting the way we kind of break that down, the way we think about crimes, um, because usually we think about them in terms of of, of penalties, of what, um, what society allows for in terms of wiggle room between different types of crimes. Um, And so, really, when we think about this idea as a sociologist of crime, we're looking at how it violates the social norm and how much wiggle room societies have to let them uh, violate this norm. So, um, what wiggle room do societies give for speeding tickets, um, right? Or even if you think of Singapore's law of chewing gum, right? It's legal to chew, uh, chew gum in Singapore, uh, compared to here um, in other places, right, you, where you could chew gum, right? And so we're we're, we're really looking at this idea of what society um, cares so much about that um, it makes it a law, and how much does it actually take in terms of enforcing that law? What's the penalty with this crime? Um, in terms of worldwide facts, there are um, a lot of... Of, not sorry, they are not a lot of. There are several facts that are true throughout the world when it comes to crime. Um, four come to mind in particularly. Um, one, um, crime exists everywhere, right? Because every society has rules and norms. And so, therefore, um, crime exists everywhere because societies, people usually break uh, norms and rules. So, crime is everywhere um second most if not all countries have some sort of a criminal justice system right they have a police they have courts and they have a prison system third um adult males make up the largest category of criminal suspects worldwide so usually when we think of worldwide statistics there is a gender component to this and finally, a uh, theft is the most common crime committed worldwide compared to things like violent crimes. So if you're like me and you love watching Law and Order SVU, uh, those crimes are um, comparatively rare compared to things like theft. All right, um, Looking at some of our types of crimes in the US, I'm not going to go over them, but they're kind of uh, under the heading types of devious and crimes. Um, we have specific ways that we categorize crimes, right? There's street crime, there's hate crime, um, there's white collar crime. These are all here for you to look over and to review the definition. Um, pretty, pretty standard in the sense of of reading those over. Um, I want to focus particularly on um, this lecture and looking at. Um, Kind of what we've done with our criminal justice system um, and looking over our sociological perspective, and then ending it with um, the Black Lives Matters movement, um, which, as I said, is one of the biggest social movements taking on our uh, criminal justice system. And on slide 19 in the first lecture in week seven, I give you some statistics from the Department of US uh, uh, Department of of our Justice. Um, We see that three fifths of Black and Hispanics, right? Um, and 48% of whites are serving time for violent offenses. 23% sentenced white prisoners and state prisoners were serving time for property offenses, compared to 13 of each sentence black and Hispanic prisoners. We see that less than 15% of state prisoners were serving time for drug offense. Uh, 4% of it was uh, possession um and we see that 13% of black pr- prisoners 3% for possession pr- where we have 16% of white prisoners 5% of uh, possession. And so these are our department statistics right now of people um um in in prisons as of now. Um and that's those statistics number are on slide 19 for you. Um we as a society here in the u.s are we questioning a lot of aspects of crime particularly um, things like possession um, like marijuana possession and marijuana drug lo- uh, drug laws we see that in many states um this has changed right um virginia being one of them right where it's it's possession is no longer um, an arrest. Now it's a fine. Um, we see this happening in places like California. Um, and so it's really important to realize that laws can change in the U.S., obviously, um, as well as um, the sort of the effects of that, of, of what happens to that in terms of thinking about our criminal justice system. If you are a sociologist and one of our um sociological perspective i you see here on slide 20 to um 25 uh the way conflict theorists functionalists and symbolic interactionists think about crime um for the functionalist perspective um Durkheim is is kind of remember I don't know if you remember Durkheim from week 1 but he really talked about this idea of crime particularly of this idea that it strengthens group, group cohesion and leads to social change. Um and so he argues that crime is a very important function to society um because he argues that one if there's too much crime society will lead to um right lead create groups to lead to this change um And I I, I think, again, marijuana is a really good example of this. You saw a lot of groups um, forming and pushing for the legalization of marijuana, therefore changing the law of that, right? And it led the social change here in the U.S., um, where we see a lot of states changing in terms of of marijuana usage and and how much it's, quote-unquote, called a criminal act. Um, We see this function happening with... And so we, we, we see this in terms of Durkheim looking at crime and how it's changing a lot in terms of um, our society and our formal laws. Also in functionalism, you have something known as strain theory by Merton. And this is a really interesting theory. Basically, Merton argues that if people can't get to things legally, they'll find a way to get to it illegally. And this becomes even more so if it's a survival, um, a basic survival need. And so things like food, housing, for example, um, is, is particularly looked at in strange theory, strain theory, which is why we see things like theft so common. Um, because again, if you can't afford food, people will steal food, right, And in order to survive. And so as a functionalist perspective, if you think about the importance of crime, if you have high levels of theft, for example, in your society, that means there's something happening in other aspects, whether it be an economic aspect, whether it be a sort of food and agriculture, um, there's something happening and breaking down within a system um, that has caused this this type of strain uh, to lead to things like theft, for example. Um, housing is a really good example of strain theory, uh, particularly because we see um, all, all around the world, or sorry, as I know, all around the Western world. Um, this thing known as squatter's rights, and this is where someone comes into a house illegally and has rights to stay in that house if they've been there for a long time. And so there's been a lot of squatter's rights movements happening all over in different cities. And again, if there was this if there's sort of this um of affordable housing um there wouldn't be a need for this and i think the squatters rights movement has been really interesting and and a great example of strain theory um ireland particularly has a very um really interesting history of this if you're uh, interested in an international perspective um and if we see during covid what's happening right now with a lot of cities is that they're trying to do a lot of laws to protect renters particularly um, and home buyers from um, losing their homes um, based on this economic strain that has happened here. And so again strain theory Because we have such a big economic strain right now in the country. We see it reacting to things like in housing um, Where a lot of legislations coming out to try to save homes And so if if you're interested in strain theory looking at the the squatters rights or these legal um, Kind of laws forming to save people's homes um, I think is a really great example of that Conflict theorists, again the opposite of functionalists, argue that um, really crime is about power and therefore um, when we think about looking at crimes in society, we think about looking at power dynamics within society. Um, and so, for example, I think drugs are a really great example of this in California's law. Um, and so when we think about who, who uses what types of drugs, we see cocaine usually used by rich people who are, are mostly white compared to crack cocaine usually used by poor people and minorities. Um, there are different drug sentences to this uh, where cocaine is not as harsh in terms of getting a sentence compared to crack cocaine. Um, and so you see differences in terms of, of sentences based on power structure. Um, we also see this with white-collar crime. Again, white-collar crime are usually people who are white and have a lot of money, are usually not convicted as much compared to blue-collar crime, um, and their sentences aren't as harsh compared to blue-collar crime. So if you're a conflict theorist, you're thinking about these types of crimes um, and how people are uh, punished right, based on these sort of power w- power methods where we see um, usually those in a wealthy, wealthy category having, um, or wealthy category crimes, for example, having less consequences uh, compared to crimes being committed uh, by people of color or in the working class. Um, you could also think of this in a historical example for ex- For example, segregation was a crime, right? Uh, Integrating schools was a crime. These would, as a conflict theorist, would look at, again, power dynamics in terms of uh, within society. Um, Finally, um, if you're a symbolic interactionist, you're looking at labeling theory. We talked about labeling theory before in a couple of class, but symbolic interactionists look at labeling theory in terms of crime, um, how crime works, in terms of society, particularly how people are labeled a criminal or uh, a deviant before right before they create sorry before they commit a crime or even after they commit a crime and so symbolic interactions have something known as primary labeling and secondary labeling um and primary labeling is when a deviant behavior committed right before a person is caught and labeled an offender and secondary labeling is when a defendant behavior that results from being caught and labeled as an offender um and this is really important to think about when we think about labeling um Particularly how we treat those who've created a crime or not, regardless of the crime. And so I I think job applications are a really good example of this. If you um, ever filled out a job application, they would ask, uh, you know, do you have a criminal record? And of course, if you do, what are your chances then in getting that job if you have a criminal record? And so these things are something to kind of think about um, when we think about this idea of labeling um, someone. Um, We also see that young kids, um, labeled at a young age, right, if a young kid is called bad, 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 they're more likely to to go into crimes. Um, So it is really important to think about how we are labeled, particularly from people of power, um, and how that shapes our behavior. All right, so this is sort of uh, the first lecture, the first slide on week seven. Again, it's pretty basic in terms of looking at definitions of types of crimes. Um, Go ahead and take a break and I will um, go over um, BLM in the next lecture slide. Hi guys, welcome back. Um, all right, so we're going to continue our lecture on crime this week, looking at some statistics of incarceration in the U.S., um, we'll be looking at what's going on with the, the state of policing in our country, and then we'll be ending with the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. Um, So I want to start out with some good news. Um, We have gone down in terms of sentencing um, here in the country. Um, You have a quote from the Department of Justice saying in 2018, the combined state of federal imprisonment rate was for 31 sentenced prisoners per 100,000 U.S. residents, which is the lowest it's been since 1996. So we, we are in terms of dropping in terms of of rate a uh, criminal rate and i think as i said this has a lot to do with us changing what it quote unquote means to be a criminal in this country um and these laws have been changing um quite a lot um over the past uh, couple decades um i have some more statistics from you looking at um Different states in terms of the highest incarceration rate being in places like Louisiana, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Arizona, and the lowest being Minnesota, Maine, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Vermont. Um, we, we have some successes, but we're, we're interested in terms of thinking about our criminal justice system here in the US, um, about how much people are um, sort of incarcerated based on race. Um, and that is something that the Black Lives Matter movement has um, has particularly talked about, uh, particularly this idea of policing in society. Um, we are at a moment in society where we're trying to rethink this idea of the role of police, right? Um, there has been a public uproar about policing presence in public spaces. Um, and we have sort of questioned ourselves um, this idea of, of where we should have police presence in, in, in society. And I think a really good way to start about this is to think about education. Um, I don't know how many of you guys had a police presence in your edu- in your high school or elementary school um, and sort of what that has kind of done. And so you see, for example, I have here on slide nine, nine um, crimes in school, right? Um, this happened here in Virginia where a young kid uh, went and forgot their milk um from the cafeteria and when he did forget his milk he was patted down and arrested um and patted down for sorry patted down for drugs and arrested um they said he stole the milk the milk was worth 65 cents so this idea of having the student arrest um shown at a courtroom cost taxpayers way more than 65 cents. And so, um, a lot of instances like that, for example, of course we have um, police violence, harassment of people of color particularly, um, that we've seen in the U.S. And so, um, as well as looking at um, very overwhelming, troubling statistics that I left for you guys on slide 11 and 12, where we see that, Black people are more likely to be killed by police, Uh, particularly unarmed black people are more likely to be killed by police. Um, And so these statistics are really uh, troubling in a sense um, and something that we have been uh, fighting against in terms as a nation um i have a video for you that gives a timeline of of people killed by the police um and of course our most famous examples here this year for 2020 that has sort of revived the black life matters movement that started in 2013 are people like brianna taylor who was sleeping in her home um, and when um officers who um had already had a suspect in place at the time uh went into their home and um right they were not suited there was no one said that they were officers they just banged into the home um and of course shot uh brianna taylor um dead um and so this has been definitely something that people have been mad about. We've seen a lot of other examples happening um, where um, people have been killed and shot by the police, mostly unarmed, um, and this has been something uh, that that we have tried to talk about as a society, particularly through protest here in the streets. You could agree or disagree with the protest um, or agree or disagree of, of what's happening. However statistically speaking this is the biggest social movement we have had in our country right so the last biggest social movement was the women's march in 2016. um now this overtakes that and becomes the biggest social movement in the u.s as well as one of the biggest social movements happening worldwide um and so as i said you could agree or not but a lot of people are angry and upset the way that police violence has been happening with people of color so much so that this has led as and i'll say it again to the biggest social movement of our time. Another thing that has been questioned, particularly about policing and black bodies here in the U.S., um, has been civilian arrest. Um, These are places like Georgia that has civilian arrest laws, um, started during the time after slavery to, again, um, you see a lot of people argue these laws were racist laws uh, built to monitor black bodies in space. This is why people were allowed to do things like lynching in public. Um, civilians were allowed to do things like lynching because it was based off the citizen kind of arrest laws to uh, reaffirm segregation um, after slavery. Um, um, we had this example uh, with in February with Ahmad Avery, who was... Um, running taking a jog were two men um gregory mcmichaels and his son um i'm sorry yeah and his son uh went to um check quote unquote check out this man running they argued that um you know he was going into a house and stealing things um and they went and and Basically got into their trucks, and we saw in the video that they went and and they shot them, um, and and so we we see this uh, very disturbing video. Um, what was really more disturbing about it is that nothing happened to these men. Um, no one was arrested on this case until we had a public outrage. Um, and and again, we we see this in terms of policing black bodies here in the U.S. Uh, through violence as something that has been very history it's it's definitely a part of our history in this country um as well as something that we are continuing taking on today um it's been such a powerful movement um blm that has been happening since 2013 where it started um right black life matters that's what uh, blm stands for um and so i have on slide 16 the work by the one of the creators of it this was made by black women um And and really upset over what happened in twenty thirteen with Trayvon Martin. I'm I'm not sure if that is familiar to you. That was Trayvon Martin was a seventeen year old kid who um, was walking down the street eating skittles in his neighborhood and was shot by george zimmerman shot and killed by george uh, zimmerman again uh, based on these sort of citizen arrest laws um he was not convicted of the crime um and so he he was let off and so blm um was created to try to bring attention um to the violence of blacks bodies by police um by citizens arrest um so this is a very specific movement in a sense when we think about social movements you know, there's usually a particular purpose to them. And so um, we think about social movements in terms of this idea, vague idea of equality. Um, Black Lives Matters movement is specifically talking about human rights dealing with law enforcement trying to stop law enforcement and police brutality um as well as citizen arrest laws right that um that these laws protect brutality from black bodies and the way they say why black life matters it's this aspect that black life matters too Um, where they should not be, one, harassed by people who are supposed to enforce the law and, of course, um, not have people who harass them protected by the law, right? So this is a very specific movement happening in our country. And I left quotes there from um, the creator herself and the article I left with you this week on week seven is written by uh, one of the creators of it. Um, As I said, agree or disagree with the movement. This movement has been taking very uh, powerful shapes in our country and very influential shapes in our country. Um, We saw this happening in terms of our sports. If we think about um, Kaepernick and uh, the football and football uh, taking the knee stand, this was a part of BLM movement. Um, where football players started to take a knee. Um, many of them were punished for this, right? Kaepernick uh, being the um, most famous example of this, where he did not get his contract renewed from the San Francisco 49ers, um, but has continued to be an activist and, of course, has even taken on uh, forms um, through a commercial route using uh, platforms like Nike. Um, a lot of Industries have started taking up on this BLM movement, where they have solely committed to, uh, racial, um, to help these types of movements. Again, Nike is a really good example of this. Um, this has really heightened, um, during this, uh, even during COVID times where we see, um, people, right, told to social distance, um, and of course, um, even more so, uh, people have taken to the sh- streets during the pandemic. So this really shows that it's been such a powerful movement um, in our country. Um, now there is a backlash to this in terms of of these movements, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, but I just want to make sure that I hope you guys again understand this idea of of really it's it's if you go back to seventeen, and I really think you should concentrate on slide seventeen. Um, that it's really talking about this idea of how black communities are marginalized and, and threatened, right, and and how we very much so use this sort of violence to police these types of, bo- police black bodies, both as legally, right, as we see in the law, but of course um, this also happens, right, illegally as well. Um, and so it's really important to, to think about as, in terms of thinking about it, in in that types of movement rather than a generic black life matters is for equality right because equality means different things to different people on slide 21, I talk about um, the sort of the backlash of this, which came in the form of All Life Matters. And so when the Black Life Matters movement happened in 2013, um, you started getting a lot of different uh, backlash to this, uh, particularly in the form of All Life Matters and Blue Lives Matter. Um, and so we saw that there has been a lot of smaller protests or under sorry organized under this sort of on life matters movements um we see famous people using these terms like hillary clinton donald trump uh, tim scott right um and really it's 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 been kind of a really interesting uh, response to this in a sense um where black life matters really means black life matters too right um more so than only black life matters which i think it gets uh, kind of coined as that, so it's Black Life Matters too, right? Talking about a lot of imbalance based on uh, white supremacy that we have in, in this country, right? Looking at, as I said, the the state violence impacted within black lives. Um, and so we see that All Life Matters has been really criticized, um, it hasn't been such as, as big as a movement, um, and it particularly, um, ignores sort of what's happening in terms of, um, thinking about, uh, the violence that has been happening with Black, uh, bodies in this country, uh, through slavery and then, of course, through, through the present. Um, I left, um, You guys are really interesting article talking about the waves, uh, sort of the ways of this idea of black life matters versus all line matter, all life matters. It's on side 25. And I really, um, suggest you looked at it, look at it. Um, I'm only giving you guys highlights in these podcasts (laughs) People are now forming classes based on this. So it's really just to kind of introduce you to what BLM is about. Um, I did not really in this podcast really scratch the surface, but unfortunately in social problems class, right, we, we do different topics. Um, and so there's not a lot of time always to discuss every topic in detail. Um, and so if you have any questions about this separately, please let me know because I can talk a lot more about this separately. Um, but as I said, this is just to introduce you to what the movement is, how it started and really trying to show you the specifics of social movements because there are specifics to social movements. Um, and to try to stop this, like this sort of generic, um, idea of what we think happens in social movements because unfortunately in social movements a lot of times uh these get lost all right thank you so much Um, i hope you guys have a good week uh please remember to look at the readings and to turn in your discussions you don't want to add them all you know in the in the last week during exam week because then that's a lot of reading and a lot of work to do all right guys talk to you later or see you for the next podcast Bye bye